care what I Good morning, K Chapel. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Did you enter the house with thanksgiving? Are you ready to give the Lord some praises? 
Can I see anybody else that is just thankful that God woke you up this morning, that he allowed you to come into his house with thanksgiving so that we can give the Lord some praises. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that got a hallelujah praise this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wow, thank you. Let us pray. God Almighty, it wasn't because we were so good, but you woke us up this morning. And we just want to say thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to see another day. And God, for all of these who are assembled here in this congregation, and all of the saints that are online that are entering into worship together, we just want to say, God, we thank you for all the blessings. We thank you for bringing us through another week. And right now, Lord, we ask that you let us center our spirits, that you let us put aside any of the woes that we've had this week. We ask you right now, Lord, to let us consecrate our spirits and let us lift you, Lord, in praises. Let us be ready to receive the word from our pastor. Let it nourish us. Let it fill us, Lord, so that when we leave this place, we're ready to serve. And we're ready to share with the dying world that the wages of sin is still death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And now we enter into this service with thanksgiving on our hearts. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. And our children are going to sing, Lord, we lift your name on high. Let us give them a hand clap of praise.
I'm Youth Deacon Dalen Allen, and the scripture for the morning will come from the third chapter of Philippians, verses 4 through 8, and they read as follows. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, in the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. God's word for God's people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pause to say thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for being a mighty God that is everywhere, one that sits up high and looks down low, one that walks with us and talks with us and order our, our steps daily. We say a special prayer for the families that have been suffering from the loss of loved ones. Father, we ask that you intervene in a mighty way to keep them encouraged and remind them that you are our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. We thank you for our pastor that will be providing the spoken word this morning. We ask that today's lesson inspire us all to remain faithful in our work of being the type of Christians that you created us to be. We ask these and other blessings in your son Jesus' name. Amen. We just want to thank our youth deacons in training. Yeah, we can do better than that, y'all. These are the young people in the church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And our choir, did they not sing that song this morning? Giving praises to God. Our announcements for today, um, we talked about it last week, save the date. So I'm going to tell you again, take that phone out. October 29th at 3 p.m., the Jackson Symphony is here at Cade Chapel. That deserves a hand clap of praise. Now, if that is not social responsibility, bringing all types of music into our congregation. Now, you want to start the week with prayer. Now, join on Monday morning. Okay, to hear pastor over here, prayer line. It's open on Monday morning at 6 a.m. Okay, set your clock on your phone for six, five minutes to six. Okay? Five minutes till so that you can wake up and get online, right? And you can find the number on the K-Chapel webpage. The Sunday School Outreach Ministry is appealing to all of us on social responsibility toward families of the Walton uh, Church uh, School. We are going to do Thanksgiving baskets. There uh, is this whole community of families that we want to bless. In fact, they say they want us to donate by October 29th. Um, no, accepting donations between October 29th and November 19th 
And our goal is to prepare 25 boxes. So go to the old fellowship hall and look for items that you can prepare. And I'm sure that this is going to be on our webpage so that you can start deciding which items you are going to bring to donate so that we can bless at Thanksgiving the families of Walton Elementary School. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you all so much. Those are our announcements for the morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You look absolutely awesome this morning. You look like you've been blessed. And I know you've been blessed because you're here this morning. And you ought to thank the Lord this morning in your giving. Praise the Lord. Remember that it's better to give than to receive. At Kate Chapel, we give for at least three reasons. We give to demonstrate our obedience to God's word. We give to demonstrate our thankfulness to God for his provisions. And we give to support local and global ministries. For those who are viewing live stream, you can give by, first of all, by texting the number that appears on the screen, by use of the Kate Chapel app, which appears on the screen. And you may bring or mail your offering to K Chapel at 1000 West Widray Street, Jackson, Mississippi. Remember, it is better to give than to receive. God bless you.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this offering that is being received today as it will be used for the uplifting of your kingdom. As we journey through the days ahead, we ask, Father, that you prepare our journey, guide our footsteps, and the Holy Spirit watch over us on every path we follow. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Chapel. Psalm 41, verse 3 says, The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. We ask that you continue to pray for all of our bereaved families. The funeral for Mr. Travis Rogers was held on yesterday, October 21st, in Linwood, Illinois. We have in the hospital, nursing home, or in rehab, Mr. Deborah Franklin, Brother Al Levy, and Brother S.C. Hill, who is 93 years old. Now, this morning, before I left home, I got a message that uh, Brother Hill is at home. So that is a blessing in itself. We have recovering at home, Sister Dorothy Jones, Brother Herman Porter, Mrs. Rosemary Stuckey, Brother Larry Bingham, who is here this morning. Brother Bingham, raise your hand. Good to see you. Reverend Leroy Harrington, Mr. Melvin Scott, Brother John Sanders, Brother Kavara Collins, and Brother Aaron Thompson, Jr. We have those related to church members who are asking for prayer. Miss Adrian Jeter, Miss Davencia Clark, Mrs. McKenzie Emil Nathan, Mr. Lenoris Bonner, Mr. Keith Fogger, Mrs. Dolores Phillips, Mr. Charlie Phillips, Mr. Larry Milton, Mrs. Demetrius Wallace, and Brother Glenn Barnes. I'm sorry, Brother Barnes is also in the hospital now. I got that message uh, this morning also. We have a card here from Brother Larry Bingham that says, to my Kate Chapel family, thank you for your prayers, phone calls, and phone calls. They were all appreciated during my surgery. We love you all. Thank you, Brother Larry Bingham. And let us not forget, let us not forget our uh, members that are in long-term care. They too need prayer. They too need visits. So we ask that as you travel during the week, don't forget them. When you travel, pray when you can, visit where you can, and each day, thank God that you can. Let us pray. Most gracious Father, we are thankful, O oh Lord, this morning that you've given us a new day, a new outlook on life. We thank you, Father, for life, for life itself, O oh Master. For we know that only you can give life, and only you, Lord, can take it away. So, Father, we just want to say thank you this morning. No matter our situation, no matter our circumstances, we know that you're still in charge, O oh Lord, and we realize, O oh Lord, that you've never left our side. Thank you, Master, for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. There is something about that name of Jesus. Amen. Anybody love Jesus this morning? Anybody love the Lord this morning? Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Listen, when we can, we, we always like celebrating our young people. Don't they sound good this morning? Can we just celebrate them one good time this morning? God bless you. They're few in numbers, but they're singing out of their spirit. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We celebrate them. Whenever our young people do something good, we want to bring it to your attention. One of our young persons, Brother Charles Simpson, Jr. I don't know if he's here. Is, is he here this morning? Charles Simpson, Jr. Is he here? Where is he? There he is back there. Charles Simpson, Jr. Come on, come on out front so they can see you. Amen. This young man, he, he, he's a running back for, Mississippi, for uh, uh, Madison Ridgeland Academy, and he was voted Player of the Week. Uh, last week, Charles Simpson Jr. Come on, y'all, let's hear it. Give it up for our young man. Amen. Amen. We celebrate that doing great things on the field. Amen. He'll run over you, too, if you don't get out of his way. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We celebrate all of our youth who are doing wonderful things. Amen. care what I accomplish in my life, I realize that I need the Lord. You need the Lord tonight if you just look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. the water or it will run dry I need you like the many stars above needs the setting on the sky I need you like tomorrow needs the hours of today to pass by Lord, I need you more than ever, so hear my humble cry. I need 
shame, why don't you tell your neighbor, I need the Lord. I, I don't know about you, but I, I need, I need the Lord every day, every, every day I need the Lord, every, every second I need the Lord, every, every minute I need the Lord, I need the Lord, I need, uh, I need the Lord. Who told the lie and said young people can't lead you in worship? Wh whoever told that? My, 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 my. My God, my God today. My God today. I need the Lord. Bless you, young people. Bless you, young people. Bless you, young people. I love it when generations can worship together. And we don't have to have a young folks service and an and a old folks service. We can just have service. Y'all not talking to me in here. And worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. My God, my God. Y'all started something in here. Y'all started something in here. Amen. Book of Philippians. The book of Philippians chapter 3. Young people have been ministering this morning. Philippians chapter 3. I read earlier in your hearing where verses 7 through 14, um, I want to zero in starting at verse 10, starting at verse 10. When you get home and 
want you to read that passage in its entirety, chapter 3 in its entirety. But I'm going to zero in on verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend for that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Get myself together. I want to talk about losing in order to win. Losing in order to win. There, there is, there is nothing really like winning. I, I'm not gonna call any football teams. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna get into that, but that's right. I'm gonna keep it in the middle. But, but there's nothing like winning. It's thrilling to win. It's exhilarating to. To win, to be on the winning team, to be on the winning side, to, to win. It's satisfying to know that you have outplayed your opponent, you have outperformed other contestants, you, you ran faster, you jumped higher, you fought harder, you won. You scored more points, you captured more pieces, you collected more assets, you Won. And, that, and that is what the world has conditioned us to believe about winning. That the winner is the one who finishes first. Or the person who collects the most. The one who performs the best. The person who earns the most or bills or buys the largest whatever. So, so, so there are certain people and certain types of people who we automatically bring to mind when we think of those who are winning in life. Uh, Rihanna is winning. She's a billionaire. Yes, she's winning. Um, um, Tyler Perry is winning. He used to sleep in his car. Now he, y'all look him up here. Is winning. Robert F. Smith and David Stewart are winning. If you don't know who they are, Google them after church. Jay-Z, Oprah Winfrey, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, all of them are winning, not just because they are or have been at some point in their career the greatest at their craft or their sport or their profession, but all of the persons that I just named are, in fact, billionaires with a B. So while we celebrate their success and their determination, their hard work, their drive, and the passion, and the payoff that resulted from it, I think that we would be limited in our understanding of winning if all we considered was money 
ranking, scores, or positions. Yes, we all want to do our best at everything we attempt, and we should absolutely fulfill the highest potential that God has placed inside of each of us for doing anything less, I believe, would be dishonoring and displeasing to God the Father. It would be like the steward who buried his talent and sat on it, and rather than investing it and maximizing it and making the most out of it. You remember what happened to him in the parable Jesus told. He said, the master came and said of those other servants, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. In other words, y'all are winning. But then to that unfaithful steward, the master said, I want you to take what he has and give it to the other ones and cast him into outer darkness. Why? Because he wasted the talent that was given to him. Some of us have wasted the opportunities and the talents that God has given to us. You wasted the moment that God arranged for you. You wasted the blessing that the Lord put in front of you. And you cannot win if you're wasting what God has given you. You cannot win if you're wasting what God has placed in front of you. But the challenge, the challenge that so many of us face is that we too quickly use the world's measuring stick to determine if we're winning. We use the world's standards to judge if we're winning. And when the world's definition of winning becomes your own, you then miss what winning really involves and what winning really entails. Although, yes, there is great value in success and there is great honor that comes in outperforming your opponents and winning and all of that, but winning involves so much more. Especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. As a disciple of Jesus, our understanding of winning is shaped by the many and startling paradoxes that Jesus taught during his ministry. Jesus taught things that were absolutely countercultural. Things that were antithetical to how the world tends to operate. Paradoxes that flip the normal flow of things on their head. Jesus taught his disciples stuff like this. The last shall be first. And the first shall be last. That, that, that's a paradox. He, he, said, he said, for whosoever wants to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and because of the gospel will save it. That's a paradox. He said, whoever wants to be great among you must first be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of all. Jesus flipped things. Because in the kingdom of God. It runs by a different culture, a different ideology, a different lifestyle, a different standard for how we govern our lives. And as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you and I must necessarily take on the consciousness of Christ and be willing to live counterculturally. For his, his is a conscience that said, what does it profit a man? To gain the whole world, lose his soul. 
his is a consciousness that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. His is a consciousness that says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yes. All of these suggest then that winning for the believer is not quantified by how much you have at the end of life or how much you've earned over time or how much you've accumulated or how much you've saved. Those things do have their place, but winning for the believer is a bit of a paradox in that it requires a certain amount of losing. It requires some losing. Winning requires some lo winning requires some giving. Winning requires some sacrifice. Let me help somebody. If if you're gonna have a winning marriage, you've got to lose your self entitlement. Quiet again. Because you, you've been waiting on them to give you everything. Y'all ain't talking about it. You, you, if, if you're going to have a winning relationship, you've got to lose your self-centeredness. Everything can't be about. You've got to lose some things. In order to win. And until you get all right with the idea of losing, you'll never really truly experience winning. Mm. That's what this text is about. Paul has come to the conclusion that winning Christ was much more important than losing some of the things that he would have to lose along the way that he had grown accustomed to having. There are three things that Paul identifies that he and that we must be willing to lose in order to win in life. Number one, here it is, number one, you got to be willing to lose your obsession over self-reliance. Lose your obsession over self-reliance. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, if it's going to be, it's up to me? Y'all heard that. What, what, what about this line from the poem Invictus where it says, uh, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Both of these are united by a thread of self-reliance or what Paul would call confidence in the flesh. Paul suffered from the same thinking early in his life. Listen to Paul in verse 4 where he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul's birth and ancestry were impeccable according to Jewish standards. He was not a convert. He was not a proselyte. Paul was a natural Jew from the tribe of 
Benjamin, which was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. That tribe was the tribe that produced Israel's first king, King Saul. So he is cataloging his ancestry and Paul is making the case that he has the kind of bloodline that ought to automatically qualify him as a winner. I got the blood of a winner. I come from the stock of winners. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. But Paul comes to the conclusion that his natural bloodline was meaningless and ultimately worthless in terms of salvation in Jesus Christ. He says, I, I can't rely on my blood. Some things my blood can't do. My blood can't walk out. My blood can't wash away my sin. My, my blood can't redeem me. My blood can't make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of. Since I've got the ancestry, I've got the lineage, I've got the genealogy, I've got the right name, I've got all of those credentials on my resume. But when I, I discovered that I needed Jesus, He said, watch this, I counted all of that loss as dumb. It was meaningless. It was nothing. I, I'm a quick go around boasting in my last name. Make folk know I'm of this tribe and I come from this family and I, I, I was born on this side of town. And, and I went to y'all getting right real quiet now because see, it sounds real personal now, don't it? That's what Paul did, and that's what some of you do. Come in this church acting like you own it. It's my church. We've we been here longer than anybody else. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. My daddy pastored here 45 years. It, that's my seat. That's what we do. Paul said, no, I count all of that for loss that I might gain Christ. And in order to win, in order for him to win Christ, he had to be willing to lose his obsession with self-reliance. In other words, Paul had to come to the point where he recognized and acknowledged that what he needed most in his life was not going to be a result of his flesh. It was not going to be because of his bloodline. It was not going to be because of the advantages that he had growing up. It was not going to be because of his schooling or his education. It was not going to be because of how connected he was in his community. It was not going to be because of any of those things. It says none of that would redeem my soul. None of that could put me in right relationship with God. None of that could bring my soul satisfaction. I, I could tell people all of who I am and all of what I've done and all of where I've been and all of where I come from and still feel empty inside. And until you start depending on something other than yourself, you're going to feel empty too. Till you stop relying on self and what self has been able to do, you too will be in the same position Paul was. 
just with a last name. Paul said, I had to start depending on something bigger than myself, leaning on something greater than myself, loving something stronger than myself. And then I was fulfilled. What are you saying, preacher? You got to get to the point of realizing you can't do life alone. But you must rely completely on the God of creation who loves you. You must rely completely upon the blood of Jesus that washes and cleanses you. You must rely upon the Holy Spirit that fills you and seals you until the day of redemption. You must rely upon something outside of yourself to be for you what you can't be for yourself. Do for you what you can't do for yourself. Give to you what you can't give to yourself. Number two. Number two, number two, number two. Paul says that he and we must get to the point where we lose our insistence with self-righteousness. Lose your assistance, insistence with self-righteousness. He says at the end of verse five, he says, not only was, was I in the right bloodline, he says, but I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul, Paul, Paul says, listen, my lifestyle, my training, according to Judaism, could not be any more perfect. He says, you were a Hebrew, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. Well, nobody more Hebrew than I. He, 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 he was raised according to the customs and he spoke the language and he was, he says, not only was I a Hebrew of the Hebrews, but he says I was a Pharisee and so much of a Pharisee that that I kept the law down to the T. He says, I, I, I did everything, watch this, that the religious codes and the religious laws and the religious customs and the religious traditions said that I had to do, and I followed it. And Paul came to the understanding one day on that Damascus road that his righteousness before God was as filthy rags. I believe that's what Isaiah said. He said, you're trusting in your works of the flesh. You're trusting in your ability to keep the law. You're trusting in your ability to do everything that the Bible says. He said, no, you're going to fail. There's only been one law keeper. His name is Jesus. There's only been one law keeper who kept it completely and fulfilled it. His name is Jesus. I wish I had a witness in here. See, and if you try to measure up to Jesus, you will always fail. See, that's why the best thing that you could do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Watch this. And then his righteousness is transferred to you. And rather than you asking God to look at your righteousness, 
Now when he looks at you, he looks through the lens of his son's righteousness. And that's the only reason why any of us can say we are righteous. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did and because of what he keeps on doing. I say he keeps on making a way. He keeps on covering me. He keeps on washing me. He keeps on forgiving me. He keeps on giving me another chance. He keeps on pressing me up. He keeps on saying, that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. He keeps on making a way. And so, we cannot build our relationship with God upon our own righteousness. For we will always miss the mark. I know you strive as we all should. But don't ever think you're there. You just had a good week. I mean, you, you're not there. You, just, a, just a good week. Next week. I need the old Y'all talk to me if you can. Listen, listen. When we, when we come to this sacred moment of sharing this bread and this wine, we're reminded that the Apostle Paul tells us that we ought to examine ourselves. Because this is a sacred moment. And we should approach it with all of the necessary gravity and all of the necessary respect at that, that we can muster. But please understand that as we examine ourselves, you are not looking to see how good you are. Because on your best day, you're still not worthy. Wish I had a witness in here. The reason Paul says we ought to examine ourselves is so that we will not be under the delusion that we could somehow come in our own self-righteousness. But that we understand that the only reason we can eat of this bread and drink of this cup is because he keeps on making a way. We examine ourselves so that we would seek forgiveness for our sins. We examine ourselves in recognition that in this holy moment that we need a holy savior. For on our own merit, our own record, and our own works, we will always fail. And so anything, hear me young people, hear me millennials, anything, any belief, any teaching and any movement 
that points to your flesh as the vehicle for your righteousness, you need to lose in order to win. Anything that says it's your keeping of the law that makes you right before God, you need to lose. That's not, that's not, that's not God's word. For we are saved by grace. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. Why, why do you use that word boast? Because we always boast in ourselves. And what we've done. And that's why it says no. You're not going to boast in yourself. What you got didn't come from you. It came from God. Paul writes in verse 9, and be found with him, be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul says, I lost my self-righteousness, my keeping of custom, religion, and tradition, thinking that that was my ticket to God. And I realized I needed Jesus. So I lost that. That I might win Christ. Thirdly, and I'm done. Here it is. Finally, Paul says that he and we. We must be willing. You must be willing. To lose your preoccupation. With self-rumination. To lose your preoccupation with self-rumination. Paul, I'm through when I tell you this. Paul, Paul ends with this, this scripture that we all know, verse 13. I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, here's what I had to lose in order to win. I had to lose my preoccupation with self-rumination. Here it is. Paul, like all of us, had a past. I'm going to be like Oprah right now. You got a past. 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 All of us in here got a past before we came to Christ, before we knew the Lord, before we were sold out saints, before our names were on the church road, before we were baptized, before all of that we have passed. Before Paul was Paul, the preacher, he was Saul, the persecutor. Before he was a missionary, he was a murderer. Before he preached the good news, he breathed threats to those who confessed the name of Jesus Christ. He was the number one threat to the Christian church, Saul of Tarsus. He had a past. But when Jesus came into his life, <laughs> all that he was was washed away and he became 
a new creature. That's why he says those who are in Christ are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Are there any new folk in here? Anybody who can declare I'm new. I'm not perfect, but I am new. I'm not complete, but I am new. I ain't all the way there yet, but I can testify I am new. My God, my God, I, I, I am new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I, all things are passed away. All things have become new. Paul said, listen, I discovered that when he washed me, he didn't keep the record. When he saved me, he didn't keep my record in front of me. Now, now be sure there are some folk who will keep your record alive. Every chance they get, they remind you of your record. Every opportunity they have, they remind you of your record. Do I have a witness here? Paul says it got to one point to get to him. And even he started to doubt himself. Why? Because of self-rumination. Somebody say, what is rumination? Rumination. It's when you start looking at the record. And you can't let the record. You can't let the record go. The record is in front of you and you go back over the record. The past mistakes and the past lies and the past lifestyle and the past. Failures in the past, cheatings in the past. And every time you want to move forward, you do some self-rumination. Wish y'all would come on and go with me here. Paul said, but I had to get to the point where I forgot. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before I press. Wish I had a witness in here. If you're going to win in life, you cannot continue to ruminate over your past. When Jesus washed you, he washed you. And it ain't like Ty, where you got to get another washing. It ain't like Borax, where you got to get dipped again. No, when you got washed, the blood of Jesus. I feel real good here. I say the blood of Jesus washed you whiter than snow. Do I have a witness here? And what you got to do is you got to stop living in the rinse water. Good God, Almighty, you got to stop living, yeah, in the dirty water and decide that if the Lord cleansed you, that his cleansing is enough. If the Lord washed you, his washing is enough. If the Lord made you new, his newness is enough. Is there anybody here that can testify today? I am, I am, I am a new creature. I am, I am, I've been washed in the blood. I am, I am. My God, my God. And I'm going to stop 
reminding myself of what he washed me from. I'm going to stop reminding myself of what I used to be. I'm going to stop reminding myself of how I used to live. I'm going to stop reminding myself of how I used to talk. I'm going to stop reminding myself of where I used to go because he washed me, he saved me, he cleansed me, he made me whole. Say yes, say yes. said if you're going to win you got to lose the stuff that's been holding you back the enemy would like nothing more than for you to abort your future because of your past The enemy would like nothing more than you, than for you to stop pressing into your destiny. Ruminating over your yesterday. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. I'm reaching forth. So what's before? I press. I press. I'm pressing on <laughs> the upward way. New heights. I'm gaining every day. No higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven. No higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on high ground. Lord, lift. Me up and let me stand by faith on heaven. Say, 
now. Lord, plant my feet. Amen, amen. Maybe there is someone here who's been feeling like they've been losing more than they've been winning. And you need a blueprint to learn how to win in life. I tell you right now, it's easy as ABC. It's easy as one, two, three. Do y'all want to know the plan? Hey, you need to admit that you are a sinner. That God, I have not done everything right but I admit my faults to you. After you admit your sins, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior, and our Redeemer. After you believe, then you need to confess that see, Confess with your mouth after you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and that he died not only for your sins but for everyone's sins if that's you today you need to follow that plan that is as easy as abc i invite you to come now you can join this church the body of christ a couple of different ways you can come by letter of christian experience you can come as a candidate for baptism. You can also come under watch care. Maybe you don't need Jesus Christ. Maybe you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. But you just need prayer today. You need prayer for healing. You need prayer for your heart. You need prayer for anything that's going on in your life. I invite you to come today. We have ministers here that's waiting and willing to pray for you. Won't you come? Come one, come all. There's something beautiful about that name, Jesus. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Come now, we're waiting for you. We'll wait on you. You need prayer, you need salvation. Come meet us here at the altar. We have people waiting to receive you into the kingdom of God.
still have time. You can come now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Savior, Savior, Savior. Why don't we all just stand together Savior, as we sing to Savior. our Lord? With a loud voice, say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I was sweet, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Let us bow for a word of prayer. God, our Father, we come now in this moment of stillness, in this moment of reverence. God, we thank you that even though it seems like we're losing now, with you, we will always win. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who afforded us the opportunity to win when he died on the cross for our sins. Because of him, we receive salvation freely. I said we receive salvation freely. I don't, I don't know how much it would cost to pay for my sins, but God, I thank you for Jesus who paid it all for us. God, it is in this moment that we give ourselves back to you. That as we sing this song about your son, that we continue to receive him in our hearts. We believe in him. We believe in his power. We believe in his resurrection. And God, we thank you for your son. This and many other blessings we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I shared with you that winning oftentimes requires giving. Winning oftentimes requires sacrifice. Winning, in fact, oftentimes requires losing. Jesus gave, sacrificed, and laid down his life so we would win. So we could win. It cost him his life. And he said this, so no one would get it twisted. He said, nobody's taking my life. In other words, nobody's defeating me. He said, I'm laying my life down. In other words, it's my choice to temporarily lose so that you might eternally win. You say temporarily, yeah, it was a temporary loss. Oh, the devil thought he had won. Hell started rejoicing. Demons started dancing. Oh, but early Sunday morning. 
early Sunday morning, that temporary grave that he was in was empty because he got up with all power in heaven and earth in his hands. Has, any, has everyone been served? Does anyone need? Does anyone need a cup? There are a few up here, ushers. There are a few up here that need cups. Thank you so much. If you need a cup, won't you lift your hand so we can see you and get you served? There are two here, two here. God bless you. Take this moment and examine yourself. Take this moment and look back over your life. Not just this week and this month, but look back over your life. And if you find anything that should not be, confess it to the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. Ask the Lord to cleanse you once again. And by faith, accept his forgiveness. By faith, receive his grace and his mercy. On the night where he was betrayed, he took bread, break it and blessed it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Likewise, after the same manner, he took the cup and blessed it, saying, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sin. As often as we do this, we do show forth his death and suffering until he comes again. Let us drink together. It reaches to the to highest the mountain. Highest. Strange. 
Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Hallelujah. It will never, 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 never lose.